the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, and welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thanks for joining me today. We're finishing up our series on uh, neuroscience and the connection between neuroscience and the brain. And I think it's a particularly poignant series. Last week, we talked about resilience and what stress does in terms of people's ability to be resilient. And in today's world, resilience has become a very important factor as we look at leaders going forward. Leaders who are able to rebound, who are able to look at things differently, who are able to create vision and direction even in a high degree of ambiguity. And it also strikes me as we look at neuroscience that there are other things going on in the world that are becoming very important. I was just talking a little bit earlier to another one of my guests who's going to be coming on uh, next month, and we were talking about the importance of inclusion. And inclusion, a while ago, we used to talk about diversity And people didn't take diversity as seriously as they're going to have to take it going forward. Inclusion and diversity are critical. Over 85% of the available workforce in the year 2017 are going to be millennials. Right now, we have five generations in the workforce, let alone talking about the complexity and the global nature of work. People from all walks of life are in our workforces with all different backgrounds. And if we still cannot be inclusive and we don't know how to be inclusive, we are not going to be successful leading the next millennium of organizations. This is a factor that's going to change. Now, I know there's been a lot written about bias. I know it's been studied I'm not a psychologist. Uh, I have studied psychology, but I'm not a psychologist. And I know that there's a lot about bias. But what I think is really interesting today is that we are finally having a conversation about bias. And as my colleague and I were speaking this morning about inclusion, we were also talking about that 30 years ago, we were talking about race relations. 30 years ago, we were talking about equality in the workplace. 30 years ago, we've been talking about uh, diversity. But yet, 
the needle has not moved. We've put a lot of band-aids on a lot of things. And maybe it took ripping off some of those band-aids for people to finally get to the nub of the real issue, which is understanding our bias, where it comes from, why we have it, and what some of our emotions are around it. And this, of course, plays into accepting others, including others, the tapes that are played in our brains from the very early days that we're born. Phil Dixon, the CEO of uh, the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership, last time I had him on, which was the beginning of this series, he said 11 million bits of information land in the brain that are processed non-consciously. And, you know, it's, it, it's what makes the brain uh, factor in a lot of different kinds of things that we're not even really aware of. So today I have Tony Poultley, and he's the chief business development officer and one of the founding partners of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. He really has a personal vision of reaching millions of people through personally touching thousands of lives. Prior to ABL, Tony was the global director of education for the Neuroleadership Institute. He was responsible for content quality, delivery excellence, educational programs, supporting thousands of students in over 40 countries worldwide. There, he led the creation and joint venture with Pepperdine University, a great school, to create a blended learning program for business executives. So I'm very excited to have Tony with us today and to continue this conversation around neuroscience, what we're learning about the brain and its impact on leaders and creating great organizations. So, Tony, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Linda. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. You know, I'm hearing a lot of uh, background noise on the, on the line. Are you as well? No, it's actually quiet, quiet here. Okay, well, so maybe it's just on my end. So, Tony, thanks so much for joining me. And, uh, you know, what I'd like to do is jump right in and, and uh, you know, talk to you about why you personally chose to study neuroscience. And why is it that you're so passionate about this? <laughs> yeah, thank you. You know, I, I, I can go back to about 10 years ago. I, I was an executive in a large IT services company when the big shift came for me personally. Um, but, you know, um, there was there's some key things that started happening before that time. I first noticed that in one of our most effective sales training programs, they actually had a little bit of the science in there. They talked about things like the amygdala and limbic response and so on. And I thought that was, that was interesting at the time. And, uh, and then I was also a big proponent of Daniel Goleman's work. And, you know, he, he was touching upon the brain science. And then, like I say, about 10 years ago, then we brought in a program to help our managers have more effective performance conversation. And, and that program actually had a good deal of brain science. And, uh, and then when I started to really tie the pieces together, I saw that in each case, it was pulling something in more solid. It was really, really the science. And then once I started to see those connections and ties and the results as 
as uh, as a result of that science, you know, I, I was hooked from that point. Yeah, that's that's really uh, that that's really an interesting piece. I, I mean, we're just touching the iceberg. Uh, at this point about what we're learning about the brain. And last week I talked a lot with uh, Catherine uh, Hambly of your team as well about resilience, stress, and the brain, and that sort of emotional component. So it's interesting that you mentioned Daniel Goleman. So how did Daniel Goleman kind of enlighten you about that emotional side? Because it seems as though the brain is really the key factor that triggers emotion for people. Yeah, you know, um, I was uh, I was trained inside of a like I say an IT services company. I came up through the ranks as an engineer, so it was very much about processes. A lot of the the early founders of that company were military, so it was very very cut and dried. In fact, for quite a few years, all we could wear was blue suits, white shirts, and uh, every once in a while, you could go off to a maroon tie, but it was red tie. So it was very much process oriented, and this how how you did things. But when the company grew from 40,000 to 90,000 to 140,000, then all of a sudden there started to be cracks in, in what we were doing and, and how things were, were working. And, and Goldman's work started to show, you know, there's, there's the emotional side of that. It's not just all process and, and, uh, and cut and dried like that. So that, that's what started me really looking at his work and saying, well, what's, uh, what's the emotion and how is that showing up? Yeah, that that's that's really interesting because we do a lot of work around, you know, emotional intelligence, and it seems that uh, in some of our previous shows we talked about that men at age twenty are still formulating sort of their emotional benchmark, and if they haven't been allowed to formulate that by that time, that they really have an arrested ability to connect with other people. I thought I found that fascinating. Do you see that as well? You know, that's a that's a great point. And and add on top of that, usually it's around that twenty twenty four that there are certain areas of our thinking cap, our prefrontal cortex, that aren't fully developed yet. And uh, so you start adding those two things together, and uh, if not that's not formed well, and then you've got some bad habits that get created. And then it's very difficult for people to change those bad habits or even recognize them. Yes, yes, that's the first step, uh, recognizing that uh, that's a habit that's holding me back. And, uh, and then, yes, the difficulty of changing them. The good news is we can, but they are difficult. Yeah, and, and I, I, when we, when we uh, come back in the next segment, um, we're not at break yet, but when we come back in the next segment, I really want to explore this whole concept of bias with you a little bit more. But a question that I have for you, Tony, you know, so many models are being employed in organizations today, and some of them just simply don't work. And we have found this out. We've talked about, you know, change management programs. We've done so much to help people understand, you know, the dynamics of change. And as we find out, people really are not wired for change. They don't like change. And um, some of these programs really need to be dumped. Um, But they come out of what we seem to have learned uh, before, and it's very hard for people to let them go. Can you make some comments about uh, some of these things that may need to change? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, 
for those of us who've been around, you've kind of seen that revolving door of the different initiatives um, from, you know, the, the next big thing, uh, better, cheaper, faster. We've seen seven habits and good to great and five dysfunctions and, and so many more. And, and, and a lot of these programs I, I really liked. And you mentioned change, and you had Walt McFarland on uh, a few weeks back. He, he is yes. the expert, the guru in change. Um, and uh, he quotes a study from McKinsey that shows that 70% of large-scale change initiatives fail to meet their stated objectives, and it's been that way even though you've got these brilliant guys and processes like John Cotter and all of that. And, uh, and if you start looking at what are the common factors of success and failure, it's, it really is our brain. It's the people factor. And uh, so, so by under, better understanding the, the brain, uh, by better understanding its limitations, where do we do certain work, how do we optimize that, we can actually now start to look at these programs and what I call neural cleansing them and say, okay, will this one work and what can we do now that we know about the brain to actually make sure that we have a higher rate of success? Yeah, and I, and I don't want to, uh, you know, minimize John Cotter. I, I think he's great. I've, I've no, yeah. seen a lot of uh, a lot of his work, but I've also been in organizations that have a complacent uh, kind of ethos about them, where he has come in and tried to really jar, drive change and get people focused, and they don't move the needle. And yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I've always been curious as to why that is. I always attributed it to a cultural element within an organization. But I do think that there's a connection between the culture and the brain. You want to say something about that? Yes, yes, indeed. You know, uh, culture is very strong. We, uh, we can connect to that. And then when we come in to want to change that, our brain actually sees that as a threat. And then two things start happening. One is we're going to start narrowing our focus. We're going to start to back away from that. And uh, we're going to actually miss some connections. So one of the first things is trying to help the people reappraise that. And, you know, John Cotter does a nice job of saying that, uh, that urgency. But, again, if the culture may misinterpret, how do you do that urgency? So it's really understanding Many of the people are going to take that as a threat. So how yes. do I first make them feel safe? Right, and that's a very and that's that goes back to your safety model, uh, Tony. We're at break, uh, and when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your safety model. We touched on it with with Phil, but I think people, you know, now that that you've raised that and thinking about how do you really drive change, and then I want to explore bias with you a little bit more. So. Stay with us. We're talking to Tony Poultley of the uh, Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. 
Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #ILeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm your host, Linda Sharkey, uh, host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. With me today is uh, Tony Pottle. And uh, I apologize for mispronouncing your name, Tony, before this. But Tony is an expert on uh, neuroscience. He is uh, part of the faculty of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. He has an executive master's in neuroscience uh, and leadership. He was one of the early founders of the Neuroscience Leadership and Blended Learning with Pepperdine University, a great school. So we were talking about uh, John Cotter, whom I have a great deal of respect for, and and that sense of urgency and how creating a sense of urgency in some ways for people can really make them feel threatened. So let's talk a little bit more about that, Tony. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because... you had mentioned our safety model a little bit earlier, and um, and it goes back to some work by Dr. Naomi Eisenberger out of UCLA, where she showed that when we're in certain social situation, our brain responds as if we are in physical threat, physical danger, and and one of those areas is security, and security really consists of uh, that there's consistency, that there's commitment that there's certainty and no change. So that's one of the key triggers of our brain. It's that 11 million bits that you mentioned a little bit earlier that the brain is scanning, and when it starts picking up in that 11 million bits, hey, wait a minute, there's some change here, there's some uncertainty here, all of a sudden it's going to pass that on to certain areas, and we actually start drawing back because we want to be safe, we want to be secure, and so that's the first thing that we've got to address. 
Yeah. So when you're when you're doing change programs, how would you do them in such a way that you know recognizes that um, threat factor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a couple things. One one um, is really helping people feel secure that this change is actually going to be helpful for them. But obviously, those are the words that we hear have been through lots of different change initiatives. Now, they've actually got to participate in that to buy into the broader purpose that they see, okay, this bigger purpose is actually going to be good for me, good for the company in the long run, not just the company, but also for me. So how do I, then as a change manager, make sure that each and every individual, it sounds uh, overwhelming, but each and every individual needs to personally connect to the purpose. How is that purpose now going to translate into my own purpose for uh, for me? So that's that's one of the keys, and and you see that they try to do that through focus groups and things like that. Now you can be more effective with those approaches by understanding here's here's why we're doing that. We're trying to actually yeah. make the brains feel safe. It, it's, it goes back to that why statement, you know, and so frequently, and I, I've obviously, you know, you couldn't have worked in any major corporation over the last 20 years and not uh, dealt with and led change programs. One of the key competencies <laughs> that leaders always got measured against is can they drive and lead change? And what I always used to say to leaders is, you know, you have internalized the change by the time you get out and you talk to your workforce about it. Mm-hmm. And you've taken the time to learn about it, accept it, and and you know, go through what's going to be threatening to you and what you're afraid of, et cetera. But you don't give your workforce the same opportunity to to think through um, what's going to be different from them. And that's what's going through people's heads. You know, my job is going to change. My friends are going to change. I might not have the skill to do what I need to do. And all those fear factors. And you have to allow opportunity for people to internalize that and talk that through. And we don't spend enough time on that. So I love your idea of helping people focus on purpose. And maybe we talk about purpose as opposed to change. Yeah, that's a a great point because the language is very powerful there. And that's one of the uh, the things you mentioned earlier about biases. Um, We are so influenced by things we're not even aware of. um, And that language can be very powerful uh, you can see study after study. Daniel Kahneman mentioned a lot of those, and uh, and really what's happening, and we don't even realize it. Uh, Cialdini's another great example of that in his book Brainfluence about how we get influenced and don't even realize it. Yeah, uh, you know it, it's it's fascinating. I was talking to a friend yesterday. I'm out here in Francisco doing some uh, work with some uh, tech companies, and I was uh, talking with a friend yesterday who's. Son is was getting mar- getting ready to marry a uh, Chinese woman, and the American parents were meeting with the uh, Chinese parents, and there was a clear disconnect between perspective mm-hmm. of how uh, the Chinese parents wanted their children treated versus how the American parents wanted their children treated, and it. I realized in this conversation that they became far and far apart because they both were threatened coming from a different perspective. Instead of starting to talk about what are our collective values, what are you valuing about your children, and what do we value about our children, and where is their common ground, and then how do we deal with that together? And actually, um, 
it ended up not being a good story because both mm-hmm. felt threatened without understanding the underlying values and perhaps the underlying bias, which takes time and it's a conversation, which a lot of us don't want to have. Yeah, indeed. And even just acknowledging um, that, you know, we may have this underlying bias that may be putting you uh, out of my my in-group and Mm -hmm. feeling okay with that. That's not about me. It's about my brain. But by acknowledging that, now I can do something about it. Correct. And so how do you think people feel when they are uh, not in the (laughs) in-group? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, There's there's lots lots and lots of studies that when we are put in a situation where we don't feel like we're part of the in-group, you're definitely going to trigger that fight or flight or flee. Um, Friend, there's lots of different Fs now that are coming up. Uh, the brain yep. is is definitely going to say, okay, this is a dangerous situation, and you need to either get ready to fight it or get ready to run out of it. And uh, the key thing there is our area where we do our best thinking and planning and decisions and all of that, when we move into that state, those resources are taken away from there and put into our fight or flight. So all of a sudden, we're not thinking as well. And so the very thing we don't want to have happen, happen. We don't show up as well. We don't perform as well. And so it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it's, you know, it's very interesting because what's going on right now, uh, particularly around race relations, and, um, you know, I personally welcome the fact that we're, we're, we're able to strip back and have some pretty honest, bias-based discussions in this young gentleman, Roof. You know, he was in an out group. And uh, people saw it, people recognized it, but nobody reached out to do anything about it. And so what did he do? He reacted. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, uh, where we do uh, monthly webinars, and next, next time we're doing something around inclusion, and there's a fascinating study by this uh, gentleman, uh, uh, Wu, XU, and, uh, and he shows how he brought in... Um, Asian-Americans and also brought in Caucasian-Americans to do this experiment. And, uh, and in one case, he would show, so there was like four, four different things going on. He would show pictures where the Caucasian face was getting a, uh, a, just a soft cotton swab pushed into their cheek. Or in another case, they were getting a sharp needle pushed into their cheek. And, and their brains were being monitored on the empathy centers. And then same thing with the, uh, the, the Chinese faces as well. And when they interviewed the people afterwards on how did they feel about that, these were intelligent people that are coming out of this study. And they did not even uh, feel any differences as far as the empathy of having uh, somebody uh, having a needle pushed into their cheek. But when you looked at the brain scans, those uh, Caucasian looking at the Asian faces or, the, uh, or even the other way around, the empathy centers weren't, uh, weren't triggering anywhere near as much. And so just by recognizing that again, say, okay, this is how my brain's reacting, so I've got to go the extra mile to actually do more to bring this person into my in-group. How do I put myself into their shoes? Yeah, uh, uh, that's a fascinating, fascinating discussion. I think 
Uh, we are coming up on break uh, in uh, one minute. So I do want to ask you quickly, uh, Tony, what are the 17 brain capacities? <laughs> yes. Well, well, let me back up just a hair then give a really quick summary. Uh, we, we at ABLE get to work closely with a brilliant scientist, Dr. Evian Gordon. And uh, Evian has been collecting brain data for, for decades now, and he now owns the world's largest international standardized database of the human brain. So he started noticing that there were certain patterns uh, in that, and so that's where he started to come up with the, uh, the brain capacity. So he was able to actually create an algorithm and questionnaires to start identifying here are certain uh, areas in the brain that we can identify one's uh, processing speed. Uh, Tony, I'm going to ask yep. you to, to hold that because we are at Good. break. Uh, And we'll talk about that when we come back. Stay with us. We're talking about how the brain works, the 17 capacities. We're going to dig a little bit more into bias. We're going to look at some stories. uh, And then we're going to talk about how you lose 20% of your intelligence and how to avoid doing that. Indeed. Stay with us. success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 
1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the leadership connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thanks for staying with me. Today, I have Tony Pottle with me from the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. Um, I'm pleased to say that I'm on the advisory board of this group and very excited to be so. Um, We're talking about the 17 capacities of the brain. We have mentioned those previously, um, but Tony, so give us the, you know, in a nutshell, the 17 capacities, because I really want to get into some of your success stories and uh, the patterns that you see around these 17 capacities. Okay, yeah, great. Uh, I can actually uh, summarize them in just a, a few bigger buckets like processing speed and, uh, like, for example, um, if... If your capacity on processing speed is, is actually shows that you're on the low side, then what that'll do is you'll show up as uh, you're having difficulty understanding new trends. Uh, you may not make the connections to strategies as quickly as you uh, you can. Might be slow in decisions, or uh, or even that you you find yourself continually getting stuck in that analysis paralysis of just needing more data in order to make a decision. And, and that's all, all related to a special area of the brain around processing speeds. And, and so, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so you need a few more megabytes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the, the great news is, is actually when, uh, when you focus on certain activities, our brain grows. It's neuroplasticity, and you actually yeah. will grow brand-new connections in there, and so you get, get your megabytes. Yeah, isn't that great to know? So, uh, you know, that's why people can learn into much later throughout their life, right? You know, if they exercise their brain and they're constantly sort of thinking and pulling in information and processing it, they can make their brain stronger in that area. Yes, yeah. And, you know, we we get a chance to talk to educators as well. and, uh, And it helps to know that we actually grow our memories. We actually grow the learning instead of, you know, uh, thinking of it as something you're doing in the moment. You're actually growing little connections inside of there, and then all of a sudden it makes sense on why we have to do some repetition or make sure there's some emotions in that uh, that learning and all of those types of things to make sure that it sticks. Yeah. And what are some of the other key patterns? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so some of the other areas around uh, flexibility, memory, attention, so those those make sense. Another area that really shows up quite a bit is executive function, and that's that's in essence that's just the, the fancy word for where we do our our thinking and decision making. So if uh, if that area is not as strong as it it can be, then then it's really about we have struggles with uh, planning and organizing, and so we we might be just really messy or losing a lot of things, and it it's just uh, just a part of the brain that we could work on. Emotion bias is, uh, is another one. Not only am I able to identify subtle cues and emotions in others, but also in myself as well, and recognizing how that's going to show up and how I behave. So there's a, another key area. Of course, there's uh, self-control, resilience. There's uh, also biases in, in our social areas as well. Yeah, that's very, very Interesting. So what are some of the patterns that you see 
uh, as you've tested people using these 17 capacities? What are some of the sort of themes and patterns that you see that are interesting? You know, um, for for many of the executives, um, and it's probably not surprising given, given some of the conversations that we have, that uh, some of the areas around the emotion, identifying emotion areas, that uh, I, I can uh, give a great example, I know three off the top of my head that are almost identical, where the executives were not doing well as far as connecting and showing care to the team or the team perceiving at least that he's not showing care. And when you look at the measure, the brain capacity on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, uh, they were way down on the, uh, on the low side. So it made total sense that uh, they weren't picking up emotion cues. So really, how could they respond to it? And uh, so that's, that's an area that shows up quite a bit. And um, uh, each one of the capacities I actually see quite a bit, but I see that one, executive function as far as planning, strategy shows up quite a bit. You know, it's interesting as I think back doing uh, a lot of 360 feedback with, with, with leaders, you know, there's always the question about, you know, can empathize with others and, you know, it has a strategic <laughs> yep. mindset, you know, the, the standard old competency things that we used to test. But as you're mentioning it, that emotional co- connection um, often was a weak area as perceived by others and the ability to be strategic. It seems that a lot of our executives and a lot of our businesses are much more focused on task execution than on yeah. being able to be real strategic thinkers. Yeah, you know, that, that can show up in a couple ways. It may be that the processing speed in their brain just wasn't uh, there. So over time, they've learned to cover that uh, that slower processing speed through just the execution and processes and things like that. So they've done well, but as the world gets more complex and more globalization and all of that type of stuff, now all of a sudden they're, uh, they're struggling because they really need that, uh, that connection. Yeah, and we discover, I mean, I say this all the time on the show because, well, it is my book, Winning with Trans Global Leaders, but our research did say that in order to be successful in a global environment, you have to have perceptive responsiveness, which you be, have to be able to pick up clues and emotionally co- connect with people and realize when they're not connecting in order to um, create businesses and sustainable businesses and places that are different from the way you've operated in the past. And you've got to be open to that. And if you're not, you're, you're, you're really going to struggle. So, uh, tell me a success story here. You know, um, the so I mentioned one just earlier about the uh, the executive. I, I, there's three of those where they were struggling with, and, and when I say struggling, let me let me give a little detail, and I'm going to go to a different one. Uh, these uh, these leaders were actually doing well on their performance, and I, and, and I say performance goals, in that they were meeting their growth goals, they are meeting the service excellence goals, um, and they were meeting client, client uh, loyalty goals, but where the, uh, where the cracks were starting to show is, is turnover or, uh, uh, or the engagement scores in the teams, and so as a good leader, you recognize, okay, you're probably getting these service excellence and growth goals and all that through heroes, whether that's yourself or on the team. If you have high turnover rates and low engagement, you know, that's not sustainable. 
and uh, and in one exact uh, case, we were able to uh, they work with this individual, have them go through uh, the coaching, brain training, and actually double the capacity and their ability to identify emotions in others. Now, all of a sudden, on the next performance review, um, their team said, hey, you know, this, this manager now actually notices, and so I feel like he cares. Wow. And was he, have you followed back up to see if he was able to sustain that? Yeah, I, you know, um, that's a great question because the one I'm just thinking now is one that I just had the conversation, so, uh, so I'll have to do that uh, here in a, a few more weeks. Yeah. I, uh, how we typically design these is you actually get that growth in about one month, but we know that it's, uh, it's delicate growth, so we actually have the people work on it for three months to actually secure it more so. And, yeah. Uh, and I so would seem to I, me that we they have to continue to work on that and continue to keep it top of mind, or it's going to slip back to the old patterns. You know that that's a great point because you know we uh, we know that we've got to run or exercise and, or or our muscles get flabby, and you know our brain's not a whole lot different. It's it's going to want to be very efficient, and it's uh, definitely a use-or-lose. And uh, if it sees, oh, you know, this area is not being used anymore, I'll reallocate it to something else. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating thing. And look, let's let's talk about this question of I, I was shocked when you guys told me that uh, people can lose twenty percent of their intelligence. Well, how does that happen, A, and B, how do you avoid doing this? Because I, for one, certainly don't want to get dumber, as I don't think many people do. <laughs> no, no, me, me neither. You know, I'm going to give you a life story and then actually give you some hard data. Um, at the beginning of, of our workshops, we actually quote the study, study that shows that just having a smartphone on actually reduces your IQ by about 5 to 10 points. It's actually different for, for men and, and women. And, um, and, and we have fun with that. But, you know, that's the reality because the area of our, of our brain that actually does the thinking and decision-making and planning cannot multitask. So that 11 million bits that, uh, that Phil mentioned earlier, that you mentioned earlier, now all of a sudden you've got this little smartphone on and we know that's important. So the brain is continually going down there and say, hey, is there something going on? Hey, is there something going on? So now you've, you've just taken away some of your intelligence. But, you know, um, not only you got the multitasking, earlier I mentioned that when we get into that threat state, our ability to think clearly goes down. And that threat state could be something as... Uh, as small as getting advice from a coworker or getting a, uh, a glaring look, look from a coworker. When a brain actually sees that, it's going to shift the resources away. So now let me, let me uh, give you a, a real study. I participated in a program just recently where it was designed to pull in the neuroscience. They actually did a, a val- scientifically validated cognitive cognitive test on day one to see, okay, on a scale of one to ten, that's how the score, uh, thing was scored. What was the intelligence of this group of people? Okay, and it came out to be, um, in this case, 5.6 number, I mean 5.8. Really, that doesn't mean anything just yet. But then the second day was designed to systematically, deliberately, and measurably 
put you in the threat state that we talked about earlier, looking at each of those safety domains and, and, and attacking them. So now you've got this person, and when I say measurably, they were looking at things such as heart rates and all of that. They knew, okay, now I've got this person totally <laughs> in a threat state. Let me measure their intelligence. And now it went down to 4.6. That was wow. a 21% drop in their intelligence. Same brain, same people. All, all we did, and I, I was in that group, all they did is put us in a threat state. Yeah. But, you know, it kind of smacks a little bit at what Catherine said last week in that a certain amount of stress, as it turns out, you know, I mean, people perceive stress as threat, uh, is good. So how do you, you know, where's that balance? Yes. And, you know, it's different for every person. You know, the, the, the best way that I like to think about that is actually through, uh, through something that Dr. Amy Arnston out of Yale, she presents something called the inverted U. And that inverted U shows that uh, you've got to have the right mix of this chemicals in our body. If, if it's too low, our brains aren't really efficient. If it's too high, we actually go into a red state, and it's and it's uh, and it's not efficient at all. So each person, each day, you've really got to be good at noting. Okay, where where's my state today? Not what was it yesterday, but what is it today? So what do I got to do to maybe move myself into that that state where now I'm I'm, I'm really effective in my brain? It may mean Tony, I've got to this put is- more stress. Fascinating information, and I wish we could spend so much more time on this, but what I hear you saying is we really are a whole system, and we've got to yeah. be attuned to our whole system, and we've yep. got to and pay attention to of, it of every single day. So we're at the break. Stay with us. We have a question from uh, the, the our audience was emailed in, so Tony, stay with us. I'd, I'd like to post the question to you, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more. Um, Tony Pottle from the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. Great conversation. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thanks for staying with me. I have Tony Pottle today. Uh, we're talking about brain-based leadership, a fascinating discussion about how our whole system really needs to be in balance to maximize uh, our ability to use our brain, and the brain is that central power system, and how do we ramp it up and amp it up so that we are our best. So, Tony, we have a uh, a question in for the field that I think you'll love, excuse me, David from Atlanta has asked, uh, how do I go about getting this, uh, taking this 17 capacities test? We did talk about it before on the show, but I think, you know, I'd like you to elaborate a little bit more and what your training is all about and uh, also the uh, webinars that you do regularly. So if people really want to be tuned into this stuff, where can they go to get more information? Okay, yeah, great. The, uh, the shorter answer is going to our website. It's uh, www.academy-bbl, stands for Brain-Based Leadership, so academy-bbl.com. You'll notice up there on the, the top right-hand side a Get in Touch box. And, uh, and you can check on there if you want to learn more about the, uh, the accreditation as coach uh, or if you just want to sign up for our, what we do every month is what we call an Able Talk webinar. Next, uh, next month's webinar is going to be about inclusion. Uh, the one that just passed was resilience. So you can just check that box off and, uh, and then we'll, uh, and most likely me, I'll, uh, I'll get back in touch with you and connect you in the way that supports you the best. I love that because, I, as I said before, uh, I was just talking to a CEO that's going to be on our show coming up and how inclusion is really going to be a major capability of any leader if they want to be successful in uh, this new world. Uh, so I'm going to be fascinated to hear that conversation myself. So, Tony, thank you so much for being with us. Tony, uh, Pol- uh Pottle from the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. Great organization. Uh, done a lot of work with them over the years. Uh, research-based, uh, based on Evian Gordon, Dr. Evian Gordon's largest brain-based research center in, in the world, actually. And so, Tony, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, I really appreciate you, it. And thank you for getting the word, word out and, uh, and helping so many people. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to say that you're going to be having a conference in San Francisco the 29th and 30th of uh, October, and uh, my suspicion is it's going to be a great conference. I plan on being there. Um, So people should track for that. It's going to be a great learning opportunity to really delve more into how the brain works and how it affects you and how you can gain balance in your life. So thank you so much, Tony, for being with me. Thank you, Linda. So coming up, uh, we're sw- 
switching gears a little bit, um, sort of, we're going into now the CEOs and a view from the top. And we have several great CEOs that we're going to be interviewing, as well as some key authors who have researched over 11,000 CEOs in the world. And I'm very excited about this series because, you know, we all talk from a certain level of where we are in our organizations. And seeing how a CEO sees the world and how the really great ones, what they think about and what they do every day to make their organizations really sustainable is important. It's a wonderful insight. And I know a lot of CEOs personally. Unfortunately, I'm out here and there are a couple of CEOs who uh, have bit, bitten the dust and you could have uh, guaranteed that that was going to happen because they were not connected with their people. They were not thinking about purpose. They were not thinking about inclusion. They did not know how to create a culture where people felt valued and excited about being there. They talked a right game, but they just did not know how to touch the hearts and souls of people in a way that made them excited about working for that organization. And purpose is such a critically important thing. So our next show, we have with us Jason Jennings, a researcher and one of the most successful and prolific business and leadership authors in the world. Several back-to-back best-selling books, uh, highly acclaimed business books, He and his teams have screened and studied more than 200,000 companies and interviewed more than 11,000 CEOs and business owners in their research. His books are extraordinarily well-researched, which is why I love him, and uh, intriguing with vital resources for everyone in in business. He's been written up in uh, Today's Show, and he is very much on demand. He is going to be kicking off very appropriately the CEO series. After him, we're going to be talking with Sahil Ben-Tahar, Taraf, excuse me. And Sahil is the CEO of Tanfeeth, a major outsourcing organization in the Middle East, in the GCC, United Arab Emirates. And I loved our conversation. He has really taken purpose to a whole new level. He's taken performance leadership to a whole new level. And he's helped really cascade a culture of excellence in his organization. And he has a fascinating stories that are, uh, I think, going to be great case studies of things that we're going to have to learn in, um, in the future. After him, we're going to be talking to Margaret Keene. And why I'm excited to have Margaret Keene is she is the CEO of a Fortune 250 company. And, you know, I've known Margaret for a very long time, and she has been successful in rising to the top. And she's helped a lot of other women rise to the top. If you've listened to my show for a while, you know that I've paid a great deal of attention on those things that have not changed for women. We still have pay inequity. We still have lawsuits for, uh, you know, the CEO, um, uh, Sharon Poe, who's now CEO of Reddit, had that big case going on with uh, Kleiner Perkins. Now, talk about bias and brain-based thoughts about women. That certainly existed there. So how did Margaret cut through all of that and now leading one of the biggest 
private label retail credit card companies in the world. So we're going to be getting great insights from Margaret and then from Tiger, who is the head of uh, GenPAC, started with 50 people 10 years ago and now has a global footprint of over 30,000 employees around the world. And Tiger has been able to take this company along with other people and turn it into a real outsourcing powerhouse where the leaders are dispersed around the world and have been really able to connect brilliantly with uh, their customers uh, and have broken up and smashed some of the old myths that we have to have corporate headquarters and we have to, you know, leaders have to all be in the same place. So it's going to be a fascinating and interesting discussion where we'll be drawing upon a lot of what we know um, from leadership studies, from brain-based leadership. So I hope you'll join me for this upcoming series. It should be fun to really hear a voice from the top. So I want to thank everybody who has supported uh, I Lead the Leadership Connection. Uh, been a great opportunity to think about new ways for doing things and new learning. This fall, we're going to be doing a whole series on what are the things that are need, going to need to change the policies and practices in order to capture the excitement and enthusiasm of our workforce going forward. So thanks again for being with me. I'm signing off. I'm Linda Sharkey, host of I Lead the Leadership Connection. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 